Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 472, with Chef Clinton McIver. The late Stephen Hawking actually says, look up at the stars. Don't look at the ground, look up at the stars and see the, the infinite possibilities. And just fucking keep going. Yeah. Stay strong, keep going, and you will attract what you need around you. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have everything that you wanted. Are you ready for It Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable you can get a $50 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a k line of credit is subject to credit approval c terms and conditions all cabbage business loans are issued by celtic bank a utah chartered industrial bank member fdic what's sorcery sorcery is ap automation digital invoicing a time and money saved that's Sorcery. Sorcery allows you to streamline and digitize your entire account's payable operation. Digital invoicing backed with human verification will save you countless hours of work and increase AP accuracy. Say goodbye to your file cabinets and enter the digital world. Go to GetSorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com or call 1-866-830-0691. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you will receive 10% off your first three months with no setup fees. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Clinton McIver. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super, super unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. And a quick shout out to my good friends at Tipsy for uh, flying me out here, making this interview po- possible, and for Chef Quaid and Ronnie over at Lume for this introduction. Uh, hailing from Queensland, Chef Clinton McIver sharpened his teeth as, shoe, as sous chef at Voudemont. After a brief stint at Clayton Bowles Club, McIver got to work building his dream restaurant. In the winter of 2016, the 34-seat Amaru opened to much acclaim. They're still going strong. And obviously, we're just scraping the surface. I can't wait to dive into your story and to, to learn more about how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for a chef? Um, I mean, as far as a, as far as a sort of a solidified quote goes, I mean, there's, there's nothing that I really sort of you know live by too hard. Although you know, my uh, my, my former boss used to say. Um, you know that the hard days make the good days, and I think that it's relative in the way that the underlying story there is persistence. I think is key, and I mean that's kind of I think key to anything, especially running business, and you know, more especially running running a restaurant. So I mean, yeah, if you can if you can sort of wade through the the hard days and all the all the all the bullshit and all the sort of you know the the dark tunnel to begin with, you can uh, you can come out on top. Yeah, you know, so much of that reminds me of a quote that I love and I probably share way too often, which is discipline is freedom. Yeah. And if you have that discipline to show up and to work through the hard days and to keep on showing up, it gets easier and it, it allows you to get to that place where you do have the freedom and you do have the luxuries of maybe making your own decisions instead of, you know, always working underneath somebody like you gotta, you gotta come up first, you know, you gotta 
put those hard days in. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think from from my experience so far, I mean, that's, every restaurant is is you know they go through they go through different different circumstances. There's different ups and downs. Uh, I mean, for, for myself here, we've been open for just over two years now, and I think that we are just starting to get to the point where you know where we're having that that freedom. As, as as you say, in, in the way that you know, well, one we're still open, so that's good. I mean, I own this restaurant, you know, by myself. I'm I'm responsible for the day to day running. Um, you know, now I've I've built a fantastic team of people around me. Um, but initially, in the in the very early days, it was very very hard. I think the idea of opening a restaurant and it's it's always it's always been it's always been in my head and it's been it's been sort of it's been a dream I've had for a long time. But uh, maybe. The experience, the experience to begin with, it was it was great. It was exhilarating. It was, I mean, it was you know, it's high energy. It was it was you know, it's thrilling opening your own restaurant. But then, as you you know, things things they sort of they they can build up on on you over time as well. When you you know, when you when you, your soul contributes to everything that goes on in the restaurant, it's uh, it's hard to stay inspired and 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 positive. But that's that's the key. You, yeah. you have to you have to be on top. I can't wait to get into more about how you stay, you know, inspired and motivated mm-hmm. when it does get hard. But let's kind of go back to where yeah. it all started for you. So, how did you get your start in the restaurant industry? So, back in Queensland, I mean, I, I grew up in a, a family of six boys. I was I was the oldest son, so I mean, I'm, I'm the one that was uh, always in trouble for everything. Of course, uh, <laughs> look, growing up, growing up, I mean, cooking cooking's actually been a passion of mine since I was about 11 years old. So. Uh, I used to help out at home a little bit with, with the, the cooking sort of, you know, side of things uh, and the chores relating to, you know, the, the washing up and taking care of the kitchen, you know, being a big family and the oldest brother, you know, you have to kind of set example. And, How uh, big was your family? Uh, so six boys. Okay. So, wow, yeah, six boys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> household of, yeah. of eight. Um, it's a lot of miles, hungry miles. If you yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, it's a lot, a, lot of, uh, a lot of boys. Plus, plus, you know, we all had, you know. 50 friends around yeah. at all times so it was crazy awesome. but it was it was great it was, it was it. yeah it was very very good um look school school never really you know never really done it for me i mean i i loved going to school i loved seeing my friends i loved socializing but i didn't really i didn't really apply myself to school as much as i as much as i could have i mean i i i got by fine actually i, I got by quite well but i was never nothing really nothing really grabbed me nothing really you know inspired me nothing really Nothing really stood out to me, you know, in any sort of yeah. any way as much as as, as cooking. I'm picking uh, up what you're putting down, man. Like, I yeah. always like the joke. The uh, the first thing I learned in school was how to read the clock, so I could find yeah. out when recess yeah, exactly, was. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and look, I think you know the first the first real the first the first time that I really knew that I wanted to be a chef actually was uh we went to a we went to a barbecue and uh again i was i was uh i was in charge of the duty of, of cooking something to prepare for a, for a friend's barbecue and i i picked up one of my mum's old cookbooks and i made this uh this uh lasagna it's the first time i'd ever made lasagna actually it's the first time we had a, as a family had ever had lasagna and we went to this barbecue and Everybody kind of, you know, there was, there was probably 20 people and everyone, you know, people brought salads, you know, there were, there were deviled eggs. There was, you know, of course there was steaks and sausages and the normal sort of stuff you see in, in an Australian barbecue anyway. But I bought this lasagna and people were, I mean, just, just seeing people's reaction to, to having something. I, I couldn't believe that food could evoke so much emo, emotion in people. Mm. And that, that kind of captured, you know, captured something in me straight away. And ever since then, I've... 
I don't know. I've kind of just had the, you know, had that, had that sort of spark for, for cooking and really trying to distill what it was in that, in that moment, uh, that what was the emotion these people were feeling that really lit you up inside? I mean, just, just happiness, Mm. happiness. I think people, it it was delicious. It was great. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, I didn't create the dish. I didn't, I didn't create lasagna, of course. (laughs) I mean, seeing just the effect that food can have Mm -hmm. on people. And this is a very, I mean, it's a very simplistic sort of, you know, form of emotion. It's just yeah. a bit of happiness going, wow, yeah. that's yum. Uh, I mean, food food can evoke a lot more emotion and, mm. and stuff in, in people. We know that now through, you know, of course, through different scenarios and settings in a restaurant and how you want to deliver your experience. But that, that, that in the simplest form, happiness is, is key, I think. If oh, you yeah. go to a restaurant and I think you're going to be one of two things. You're either going to be happy or, or not happy. I mean, <laughs> and of course, I think you want everyone to leave your restaurant happy. Absolutely. So that's very important. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, you said this was around, uh, you were a teenager when this was going on, the barbecue? Yeah, I was like, I was like 11 or 12, I think. Okay. Yeah. So uh, did you commit yourself to food after this? Were you, were you saying oh, to I mean, well, and actually, after, no, no, I mean, I, I was like 12 years old, 11 yeah. or 12 now. I was committed to BMX. Yeah. I was committed to my friends and BMX. <laughs> was- so take us to the point where you start working in restaurants and you're thinking really like I might yeah. make this money. Okay, so I'll fast forward a couple of years. I actually, I left school um, my second week into year 11. I mean, I wasn't, uh, I mean, I wasn't hugely rebellious or I wasn't, I wasn't a bad kid at school. It just, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. It wasn't working out. And I just wanted to get out to the workforce. So actually, I, my first job was uh, a voluntary role at a, a place called uh, Meals on Wheels. It's, it's an organization uh, throughout Queensland. And basically, they provide uh, food to people who, who can't basically care for themselves. Okay. So, it's a, it's a home delivery service, hence the name Meals on Wheels. And, uh, but the food was actually pretty good. I mean, I, you know, for, for a complete novice, I mean, I, I learned how to make fresh you know fresh curries fresh braises um different types of you know very basic desserts you know and so i mean anyone entering any sort of any profession with you know zero skill you're gonna be picking up something straight away and that's kind of how i sort of gained a little experience to try and make myself more more employable for okay. a, for a future i mean paid pay job obviously that's that that was the goal um at that time uh, in my town, the unemployment rate was very high, as it still is now. And to be honest, all of the restaurants there are pretty shit. Okay, they're all pretty. They're all pretty one-dimensional. I mean, like you know, every restaurant, this, every restaurant, they've almost got the same menu in a way. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's something that I realise now, but uh, you know, back then, um, you know, I, I thought working at the you know the best restaurant you know, in, in Bundaberg was, you know, kind of the, the pinnacle once you could, you know, work your way through, you know, a couple of, you know, cafes or a couple of other restaurants or pubs and, you know, get to the, the, the good place at the time. You know, my town was, was probably the, you know, was, was probably the key to success. But I mean, the best thing that actually happened to me was just leaving Bundaberg and okay. discovering there's a lot more out there. So were there any key moments uh, on the come up while you're still in your hometown, uh, lessons you took from mentors key things that you still apply to this day uh, that shaped who you are today uh i wouldn't say so much to be honest back from my hometown actually i actually took a probably a year and a half off after i started my apprenticeship uh in 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 bundaberg i took like a year and a half off and i actually was like really sick of it and really uninspired because Mm -hmm. why 
Uh, I mean, just like that, a lot of the restaurants were the same. There were a lot of the chefs. I mean, I just I couldn't believe that a lot of the chefs just had no passion. I mean, yeah. why do you think that is? Uh, they were just. I think this burnt out, uninspired people. It was a very most of the places I worked in. I mean. Look, to be honest, most of them were pubs. I mean, that's what there was at the yeah. time in Bundaberg, and that's pretty much all there is now, realistically. And just negative people, man. Mm. I, I can't, I can't work with negative people. I hate negative environments. I hate people who can't do anything to help themselves in life or are unhappy. I can't be around these people. So I kind of, I worked in like three different places over over a period of two years, and they all become very much the same. And and these people, I mean, they'd worked in. Bundaberg and they'd work from restaurant to restaurant and it was just like this this the gene pool's almost very, very small for chefs in, in my town. And I was like, fuck this. I mean, I this is not what I thought it was. So I actually I moved to central Queensland. Uh, and how old were you when you made that move? Uh just turned eighteen. Okay. Yeah. Well, one more question before we get to the yep. move to Queensland, Central Queensland. Why did you choose the the way of apprenticeship? Why not go to a culinary school? Uh I mean back Back then, I'm talking like uh, 2002. Okay, that, that was pretty much. I mean, that was that was just the way to do it. I mean, yeah. uh, I, to be honest, I think with that you, is I the way to think, do it yeah, today. Yeah, Absolutely, totally, totally. I think uh, the what people pay to go to a culinary school yeah. today, uh, you <clears throat> are paying way too much, and you might come out uh, realizing you don't like the industry, and or now you, you're in debt, and you know yeah. it's, it's just test it out, go to apprenticeship. Uh, yeah, but the, the really biggest thing out. on top of that, I mean, you. Look, I've had a lot of interns come in, come in here, and they they stage with us, or they you know they they do it like an internship with us. But I mean, this I think it's a whole whole different podcast. But I mean, a, a lot of people <laughs> they're 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 paying good money to go and do this this commercial cookery course, but they're coming out with no real hard experience. Or no, there's no real time exactly. Or, yeah. no, work ethic is a big thing. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, that we'll touch on that later, but. I mean, tourism in Australia is obviously a it's a it's a pretty big revenue. Yeah. But uh, I mean, unfortunately, there's you some things in life I don't think you can fast track, and experience in a kitchen is certainly one of them. Yeah, and so so bring it back to where we left off. You, you make the move to Central Queensland. So which I just want to tip my hat to that. Yeah, uh, you, if you you got to get away from the negativity. Yeah. You, you have complete control yeah. of your life. If you're not yeah. happy with your situation, yeah. go to where you can. Absolutely. Be yeah, I was so earning. I was earning. Room. I mean, I was earning. I was earning ship money as you do as an apprentice. I mean, that's yeah. that's fine. It's kind of to be expected. I mean, I was like, you know what? This is not this is not what I thought it was going to be. So actually, I, I took a break from from being a chef. Well, at, you know, at that point in my life, I'd made a decision to to follow something else. So I went, I moved to Central Queensland, and I was uh, planning to go work in, in the coal mines and operating machinery mm-hmm. and just 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 discovering a, a different profession. And how old are you at this time? Like eighteen. Up. Okay, cool. So I'm so I'm eighteen. I moved moved to Central Queensland. Um, and I actually, I picked up a job as a laborer and I'm trying to get into, to work in the mines and, you know, earn good money. I mean, the people that are earning, you know, they're only like a hundred K plus a year okay. just for driving machinery and very basic jobs. And, yeah. but again, I thought I was there for, I was there for like a year, just over a year. And I thought, oh, you know what, this is actually, you know, is this what people normally, is this what they do? Is this, this good, you know, they go to work, it's in a very small town, they come home, they drink, mm-hmm. They have this is like this vicious cycle. Yeah. It was again, it was a very uninspiring, negative, uninspiring yeah, yeah. place. And I was like, "Fuck, man, this is yeah. this is certainly not how I want to live my life." <laughs> and I, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. At this stage, I was also working at a local restaurant on the weekends. But I still, I like, I love cooking. Yeah, I just, I just love cooking. I love being around food. I, I like the environment. I like, I like the people. I like. I mean, I love everything about 
restaurants. Mm. So, I mean, I still kind of had my, you know, my sort of my... my Let's go deeper into this. What Two things. Uh, first, what is it about cooking that you like the most? And what is it about the people in hospitality, in hospitality that you like the most? You can pick which either one to start uh, first. I mean, I like, I, first of all, I like the environment. Mm-hmm. I like being in a bustling environment. Mm-hmm. I, I find it calming to be... In an environment where there, there's noise, there's a little bit of chaos, yeah. there's, you know, there's, there's never action. There's bo- a boring moment. No, there's action. <laughs> you know, there's, there's life, there's energy around you. That's mm-hmm. what I like. I mean, I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the people in the hospitality, I mean, look, you know, I think hospitality and, and being a chef especially has got to be one of the most diverse roles that you can have as, as a professional. You meet so many people. I mean, most of... Most of you know, the people that I've worked with are now, you know, they live in different countries. I mean, they, most of them come from different yeah. countries. It's so multicultural. And it's a good and the bad thing because, you know, you spend so much time with these people. And, I mean, you spend more time with, with these people than you do with your own family. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you change job or they take another job off or they, you know, they decide to go back home or you move on. And it's almost like a, like a breakup sometimes and then you're out of each other's lives until your paths cross again. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy when you, you know, you think of it like that. But I just, look, I love being around people. Uh, I like people who are, who are passionate mm-hmm. and, you know, make no mistake, people who work in good restaurants, in the top restaurants, they are passionate. Mm. The people who aren't passionate, they, they just, they fall by the wayside. There, there's, I mean, it's... That's just how it yeah. is. There's no room for people who aren't on the same same wavelength or the same 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 vibes as everybody else. Even it's, beyond that, I think what I and I, the reason why I want to pull back layers in this is because I feel I'm right there with you. I love the people in this mm-hmm. industry, and I've worked in offices and I've worked around people where everyone's showing up and clearly putting on a face, yeah. uh, putting on the professional role. Yeah. And I mean, you got to be a professional, but at the same time, yeah. there, you. you will not meet a more real group of people working yeah. than working in the restaurant yeah, industry. Like, absolutely. Take me as I am or, or go screw yourself. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, like, and people exactly. are just so real and authentic exactly. in this industry. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. But. Yeah. And I mean, look, again, the, the bonds that you forge with people, mm. I mean, we've all got stories where we've had jobs where, you know, you've been in the absolute trenches. Yeah. Through service, and it's, you've had an impossible, you know, impossible sort of section to get all the meats and plus done and be ready for service. And it, I mean... And the people that that you sort of you you go through that with, I mean, you just forge these relationships oh, yeah. and these bonds, so and that's fantastic. I mean, exactly, and yeah. that's true. I mean, um, do I want to be? Do I want to do that every day, all day? Do I want to be in a shit all day, mm-hmm. every day? Not anymore. Not now. I mean, no. I like to have things run a little bit differently in my kitchen now. I mm-hmm. mean. In the same way, we're still very ambitious with what we do and what we achieve with the amount of people that we have, I, I yeah. feel. Um, but look, there's so many lessons I've learned. But yeah, getting back to the, getting back to the yeah, question, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the biggest thing for me is just yeah, being around people, being around an environment with high energy. That's, mm-hmm. that's what captures me. And then look, now on top of that, you know, the reaction on, on, from, from guests. <clears throat> I mean, when, when, you know, when guests come and see in the restaurant and seeing all the hard work pay off, immediately i mean that's it's rewarding mm. as well so awesome let's bring it back to your in queen you're in queensland uh central queensland uh is this where your career really starts to, to kind of get more intentional yeah. where you're surrounding yourself with people that are going to teach you the skills and, and the, the behaviors you yeah. need to, to make it kind of i mean kind of i by this stage i'd you know i'd sort of i matured a little bit more i feel and i've you know i've seen that the grass wasn't greener mm. on the other side of the fence so you know, I, 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 I've been, I was still 
infected with you know thoughts of just cooking and restaurants and i mean you know actually by now it's probably more passionate than ever before mm-hmm. so i moved to brisbane and i worked at this uh this place called sirame winery and um i mean queensland's not known for its winemaking region but it was actually a a project of a very successful businessman from the gold coast and he basically created this this uh this winery in the cellar door in this restaurant and it was it was fantastic i mean they were celebrating great food they were they were professionals for the first time in my my career i was exposed to the kind of people that i had you know thought should be you know basically basically i mean the chefs that i expected sort of back home i mean i kind of i kind of found them now i actually okay. found people who were passionate i found people who were you know serious about what they were doing and, and conducting themselves you know as professionals what did that look like paint a picture of what a serious chef looks like <sighs> i mean it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint and give an example i think of I mean, there's so many different things that can pinpoint what a serious chef should. Well, first, of, first of all, I mean, actually, no, it's it's not that hard. Someone who just really gives a fuck about what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. That's actually that's the biggest thing. Whether whether you're whether you're, you know, working in a Thai restaurant or a, or a modern Australian contemporary Australian restaurant, or I mean, whether you're freaking, you know, you're cooking fish and chips. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you really care about what you're serving and how you're doing it, and passionate about mm. what you're doing, I mean, that's a real chef for me. Nice, awesome. Yeah. So. Uh, this is when your career really starts to take off. Yeah. It sounds like so. From here, try to like get aerial. Maybe go to like thirty thousand feet real quick and yeah. pinpoint the key points of your career uh, that you really were surrounded by people who are teaching you key yeah. things. Okay, and how are you evolving? Kind of take it step yeah. by step. All right. So basically, I I, I land this job uh, and I continue on my apprenticeship. So by now, technically, I'm still like a second year apprentice. Okay. So then I have this. You know, I have this 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 mission i set myself a mission to work through every section of the kitchen learn as much as i can as quickly as i can so mm. i mean i've got basically two and a half more years until i become a, a chef a real chef a commie chef that's mm-hmm. how it works here in australia i mean you do you do three and a half to four years of your apprenticeship and then you're you know you're sort of out into the wild so okay. to speak so i set myself a task and i i worked on every single section and then i made my way to the busiest section of this restaurant that was like the grill section the hot section okay. i mean this is the section for the big dogs in the kitchen so yeah. this is like at the time the sous chef was running running the section okay and all i wanted to do was prove that i could hold down the section and it took me a while to get there but uh but i got there and i i held that position there for like like a year and uh you know it was just just a, a very rewarding experience i mean learning about why it's important to use fresh fish, why it's important to, you know, to, to store stuff correctly, why it's, I mean, just, you know, the foundation of what good food and cooking mm. is starts from the moment produce comes in the door, from what you do with it, how you, how you run your kitchen, how you store stuff, how you, you know, everything adds up. It's an accumulation of lots of little things. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I was just uh, inundated with all this knowledge and, and learning. It was, it was fantastic. This desire to, to prove uh, that you can make it to the grill station, was this for yourself or did you yeah, want to prove no, yourself to other people? Yeah, for myself. I mean, at the time, look, I was, you know, young, a lot of energy. Um, at the time, I kind of thought the measure of success as a chef is how many people you can do. Can you run the busy section? Can you hold it down? I mean, can you get through the service? I kind of thought that was the epitome of success. Yeah. And how did that change? Well, it's changed now. I mean, you can, I could do a thousand covers. Yeah. But if I'm serving shit to 500 of those covers, 
and 500 is good or that's not successful. Now the epitome for success is, I mean, the, the goalposts keep moving as they should keep moving. You should keep setting yourself different targets and different goals. I mean, uh, and again, that doesn't relate just to being a chef or, or running a restaurant. I mean, that should just relate to yourself in many ways, especially especially, especially now that, you know, you run a business and you're responsible for, you know, inspiring or teaching other people. I mean, you need to, you need to push yourself as well. So, so it's not necessarily quantity, it's quality. That, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. cool. So what was the next step for you? Or before we move on, would you say that was the biggest lesson uh, yeah. you learned at, at this location? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like this really prepared me for what was next. And, and, and I can tell you my my mindset and my my goals and everything had evolved a lot around around cooking. I discovered that there was a lot more out there. I discovered, you know, some of the best restaurants in Australia at this time. I was reading magazines. I was reading books every single yeah. day. I mean, I was hungry. I, was, I mean, I still am hungry, but... At this stage, I mean, everything was just so new. I had, like had all these resources, you know, just directly, you know, at the ready, and I was just, I mean, I was yeah. so hungry. So, actually, it's a funny story. It's not really that funny, but I mean, I achieved everything that I wanted to achieve there, and I was ready to take the next where, step. Where is there? We're, we're not uh, at Rudaman, are we? No, no, Sirame, Sirame okay. in Queensland. So I okay. finished my apprenticeship. I'd worked on every section, and I actually got really sick. Oh, I had what a, year is this? I'm curious. Uh, Two thousand and 2008 okay you got sick okay um actually it was ongoing it's about two years so i okay. started about 2006 okay. 2007 uh i had a uh i had an inflammatory bowel disease so it's oh, similar okay. to crohn's disease so it's actually called ulcerative colitis so it was actually a um uh yeah it's a, a pretty major illness and oh, it, it impacted my health a lot um so I actually had my my entire large large intestine removed oh, man. when I was twenty one. Wow. So that was a I mean I uh, that kind of put me sidelined me for Absolutely. several months. Um, sorry to hear that. And it took time to recover, and I was actually very very upset. I mean, first of all, being sick when you're young is is not fun, and was something you don't even really expect. And then I can only imagine. Secondly, I mean, I was very very driven and career driven this time and i felt like this was just a real kind of kick in the balls yeah. you know I, I was ready to go i mean i had my eyes on a job down in melbourne i had you know i had my next couple of years planned out i knew exactly what i wanted to do um but my health just wasn't permitting so i actually yeah i made the decision to have my my uh, operation as it was the only thing that was seen as a cure at the time and and thankfully it was although it wasn't uh, it wasn't all sort of you know wasn't all uh, smooth sailing initially. I uh, I was I was yeah critically ill for mm. a couple of months in hospital. Um, so I guess yeah to fast track the SI, you know, I went through a couple of operations. I, I healed. I was around family. I, I got better. I started introducing myself um, back into the workforce, working sort of part time and then you know then full time. And um, it Can took you, me sorry. Go ahead. It took me all up realistically i mean to fully make a recovery probably like to be honest man probably five years wow so from 2008 to yeah. 2013 i did just start feeling good again yeah. yeah so take me to the lowest low like lowest yeah. point of this where what were you feeling what was going through your mind take us the through. lowest low the lowest low i mean being in hospital being 21 i mean i had my my girlfriend i also had a one-year-old daughter at this oh, time man. i just just no not even one i think she was nine months old okay um, having all this ambition and and drive, and seemingly having you know everything and just no control and of, just no yeah. control of this one thing, this this 
just critical moment in your life and you're you know i felt like i was on my deathbed and then mm. again yeah there were complications with with uh with one of the surgeries and i i was in intensive care for just over a week and it was it was actually a really shit time in my life and i i took time to kind of you know evaluate things in life as you do i mean at this at this stage i was just focused on on working and again taking on the next challenge and wanting to be the best chef there and moving on to a next place i mean i had my life mapped out for a few years you know how i was going to achieve this and then yeah this just really put things into perspective of so when did you start to turn around is there a moment a key point where you're when you like took control back over like back control of your life and just started like yeah this isn't the end of my life yeah yeah i'm always look i'm always fairly optimistic i mean i am i have experienced times where i've been low i have i have i have experienced times where i've been just deflated and depressed about certain things and i mean everyone goes through that that's life life yeah life's life's hard these days The, the modern day is uh i mean it's a it's a pretty crazy place yeah but you got uh, out of it eventually yeah, so what, what's that conversation look like how did you talk yourself out of this low point what i mean i was like fuck this, this is, i'm still alive it's, yeah. it's not gonna stop me yeah this is no i mean as you say unstoppable I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess uh my my mission now was to get better okay to heal myself get better and i mean actually it just it made me even more determined mm. um it did take a toll, though. It did take, look, realistically, it, all up, it took a good two years. Backtrack me, probably two years, realistically. Mm. But there's nothing I could do about that. Yeah. You know, I learned to stop comparing myself to other go. people, other circumstances. I learned to stop looking at, oh, man, this chef's running this kitchen. These is, are the nuggets is, yeah. I'm looking at, yeah. I was like, you know what? And there's something that still rings true to me now. You you can't compare yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. Everyone's faced with diff- different circumstances. And... You know, when you stop being so calculative yeah. and you look inside yourself and you say, well, you know what, this is this is what I've got to work with. This is yeah. what I'm going to do. That's a nugget right that, there. That changes things. Life isn't about comparing no. yourself to other people. It's about comparing yourself to the person you were the day before mm. and just showing up and being that better version every day. Yeah. Eventually, you get strides ahead of the other people because they're... Without even noticing. Yep. I mean, there's, there's laws in this universe. I mean, there's like the... You, you know, you can be seemingly... I guess behind and you know, whether you want to, you, if you want to measure yourself against someone, you, you, you know, you may be, you may not own your own restaurant or you may not be a head chef or you may not, you know, you may not have achieved these, these awards or I mean, these, these accolades at this, at this stage compared to this person or that person. But I mean, <clears throat> all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you keep chipping away, you, you do what you believe in and then Life has a life has a funny way of working out. Sometimes, I mean, the the universe sometimes just uh, it comes together in ways, and then you you stop, and then you look around. And all of a sudden, you you know you have a restaurant. Yeah. Well, you're, let's uh, let's bring it to the point where you're you're recovered, you're feeling better, you're yeah. starting to make strides again towards your career, yeah. getting in the right direction. What yeah. were the key moments from when the time you got sick to the time that you recovered? The the key moments in your career from that point to opening your first restaurant moving to melbourne and working at voodamon's okay so so what was so cool about what was so i mean at the time voodamon was the best restaurant okay in the country i mean they just run they just won like best restaurant in australia two years in a row okay. i mean it was just shannon had moved voodamon recently from the original premises to a new city location and i mean it was just delivering something that no other restaurant in australia was delivering mm. and i mean it was all over the media it was just it was just it was just you know the best place. Yeah, and this was 2013. Two, no, this is like this is like 2009. Okay. So, and how many years did you spend there? 
four years. Okay. So I started that. And I mean, it was a complete new challenge. I mean, yeah. again, uh, I was working with international chefs. Yeah. I was working with the, you know, the, the, the job was a lot, it was a lot harder. It was a lot more demanding. How I so? Mean, uh, hours, the hours were a lot more, but they were, I mean, they were, they were great. We, we needed, we needed every single hour that we were there to be able to get our stuff done. It was, it was great. It was, it was, it was infectious. I mean, uh, what was infectious about it? Just the, the, the people mm. around that and just the, just the whole, at that time, <clears throat> the, just the, the energy in the place and the vibe in the place. It was, it was mostly good. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like again, like what you said earlier, just the the power yeah. of surrounding yourself yeah. with passionate yeah. people who yeah. give a fuck. I mean, most of the people that were passionate. I mean, it was actually the first few months that it wasn't really kind of what I envisioned it to be. Um, but again, you know, it, I always say it can take a couple of months for you to integrate into a job, especially a job where you're working so many hours and you spend that amount of time with different people and different personalities and in a high pressure environment sometimes takes time to adjust. So what advice do you have for that person that might be listening to this and they're going through the adjustment? Yeah. Stick it out. Just stick it out. Challenge yourself. Stick it out. I mean, it's easy to quit. Yeah. Quitting's final. Once you quit, yeah, you've quit. That's great. But you've also given up on yourself. You've deprived yourself of the chance to actually stick it out and, and, and see the change. Because, man, changes happen in an instance. Yeah. One small, one small thing can change in a dynamic to change the whole, mm-hmm. whole outcome of everything. So I stuck it out, actually. It wasn't until that six-month mark where I really started enjoying it. There was a change of head chef. There was a slight change in the, the, the sort of the direction of the restaurant, the style of the food. And okay. then that's actually where I, I really started to sort of really pick up my passion for there mm. and really, you know, yeah, that was that was where it really started to take off for me. So who were the key players in this restaurant that influenced you the most? What lessons did you learn from these people about how um, be- initially initially probably a guy called uh, Corey, Corey Campbell. So he, he come on as the new head chef. He started a couple of months after me. He started okay. a sous chef and then he moved obviously then to, to head chef. He'd just come from Noma. I mean, Noma was really climbing the ranks yeah. and, you know, it was sort of, you know, really coming up at this time. So we had this guy that come in and, and the, the biggest thing for me was that this guy come in and just actually give the fuck about tasting the food and what the food should taste like. And it was all about, the food and and nothing else nothing mm-hmm. else really you know whereas some of the other guys or the other management at the time were kind of in my opinion a little bit behind in that that regard you how know? so well yeah i mean they they had the title of you know head chef of Udamond or this and that and but i don't really think that they were maybe a driving force at that time in the restaurant i think it was time for a change it was it was it was time for the restaurant to take its new new direction and a new chapter to begin but so it was actually a little bit stale mm-hmm. if i if i'll say that so, i mean get super clear what exactly yeah. was it that you, you picked up on how to be from Corey? it was chef Corey, right that was his name yeah that's right yeah just like to fucking taste the food <laughs> man you'd be surprised how many yeah. chefs don't know how to taste okay and you know what Again, this gets back to what I was saying before. I thought being a successful chef was fucking nailing a section, doing 280 covers on a Sunday lunch mm-hmm. and fucking coming out alive. Yeah. And then, you know, I thought, yeah, that was that was it. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. I mean, you need to know how to how to move. And you need to know how to cover a section. And you need to. I mean, you should you should, you, know, you should want to yeah. be able to do that. But you need to know how to taste yeah. food. Don't forget. I mean, all right, we're preparing food. Yeah, you, if you call yourself a chef, 
you need to know how to taste food. Yeah. You need to think about how food should taste mm-hmm. and you need to you need to think hard about that. And this is something that we do in the restaurant all the time. And I teach my chefs, you know, a, a, apart from being trying to be over overly technical or, or fucking trying to be too tricky or trying to, you know, just before we try and do anything, think about how the food should taste. What do we want it to taste like? What do we think this would taste nice with? I mean, it's the boundaries are sort of, you know, they're, they're endless. Mm-hmm. But so like real quick, and this yep. isn't a food podcast. This yep. is a, like a personal growth business yep. podcast. But how should you taste food? If you can give it like a, a paragraph ex- explanation of how you should taste food. How you should taste food. Uh, I mean, first of all, look at look for what, what are you looking for in that food? I mean, if you've got, okay, we've got two oranges sitting in front of us. One's just a, a standard orange uh, you know, it's a, a, a massive sort of crop, you know, something mm-hmm. you buy from Coles or, you know, one of the, one of the leading supermarkets, it's a, it's a generic orange compared to something that's sort of grown organically or it's a, it's a you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a beautiful freaking blood orange that's grown seasonally. And I mean, the, the, the difference is it's night and day, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, food needs to taste like how it should. That's the, that's, that's the first thing. Food needs to taste how it should. Um and that 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 extends, yeah, from from the simplest from from you know from from fruit to a herb to a piece of beef, you know, chicken. To, I think I mean, there's eat, so yeah. many things. Food need to, if you're not if you're not using good produce to start with, well, I mean your food's not going to be good. Sorry, that's that's true. That's okay. there's you can do whatever you want to it, but all you're doing is trying to then mask that flavor of what it should be with something else that's unsuccessful mm. in my book. Okay, that's thank uh, you for getting yeah. into that. I appreciate yeah. it. So. uh Aside from uh, just, again, the chef just learning how to, to give a fucking tasting the food, any other big lessons from this experience at uh, Voudemont that you can drop on us before moving on to the yeah. next step in your career? Yeah. I mean, you still have to work hard. Mm-hmm. You still have to work hard. You still have to, you know, give everything that you got. And you need to, you know, understand that, yeah, there's going to be some things or some sections or some things that you're not that interested in, but you need to be rounded. You need to be, you need to gain as much skill and knowledge as you can. So you need to, you know, sometimes take the good with the bad. Mm. That's, I've, I've worked on every single section in every restaurant I've worked. I've worked in every single section. I've run every single section. Some sections are like more than others and you're naturally more passionate about the ones that you, you prefer, you have mm-hmm. preference to. That's fine, but it doesn't mean that you can do any less of a job or, or give, give anything less on the ones that don't, don't appeal to you as much. And, and look, just, just, Work hard and also give yourself the chance. If you're not if you're not enjoying it for the first couple of months, or maybe there's someone you don't get along with, there's a personality you don't like. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Those people can leave. I mean, yeah. and then all of a sudden you, the, the, the place changes. But just just stick it out. Give yourself a chance because in my my experiences, the best experiences have come out of the hardest experiences. What's your advice for getting through those situations when you do find somebody that you do not work well with? How do you how do you handle that situation? Uh, I mean, you know. It's easy to kind of have conflict with somebody. Um, and I think it comes with probably a bit of maturity now as well. Um, just in a way, think of what you want to get out of the situation. If, don't let this, if, if you're working with somebody that you don't like and you feel that, you know, they're making your life hard or that, you know, they're blocking you from, from gaining the experience and the skill and, you know, the, the sort of the knowledge that you've gone somewhere to get or, you know, just, I mean, just, just block that out. Just block that out and say, mm. fuck that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm going here. I'm taking what's mine and I'm going to learn. I'm going to, you know, if you have to, 
you know, if it's your boss, you know, if you're working for or a sous chef, I mean, someone you just, you don't like and you don't respect or whatever, man, you just sometimes just gotta, just gotta, you know, bite your tongue, just get the work done, just take a bit of shit sometimes. I mean, it, fortunately, the workplace is changing a lot, which is, which is hugely yeah. important, but just, just, just stick it out and as long as you can. And if it's still not working out, well, I mean, yeah, then you yeah. can, you know. I think the, the important thing to know too, just to compound off of that, is that we have the ability to block it out, to choose yeah. Yeah. not to let this yeah, exactly. things, you know, exactly. consume us. Because yeah. if we focus on these things that we don't like yeah. and we let that get to us every day, it will consume Correct. you. Your emotions will take over. And the thing is, we can make a choice to let that consume yeah, us or exactly. to, let it, to choose to focus on the good, yeah. the, the things we're learning, the other people that we're surrounding ourselves with. And as soon as you make that decision to not let it get to you and, you acknowledge that it is your decision. It's so powerful. Massively. I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge believer in focusing on what you want and then you will subconsciously, you know, you will have access to that. And that's, that's exactly if, you know, that's, Man, that's, that's a big destiny, thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big thing. So yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's it. You know, it's so, it's, uh, keep going. Are we good about to say something no, else? No, no. I think that pretty much rounds it off. I mean, yes. Yeah. So eventually make the choice to lose uh, to leave, uh, uh, I'm always afraid of yeah. 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 So Voodoo why did you make the move? What, what was going on there? You know, I'd I'd started off as as a commie chef from from Queensland. I mean, I had really a very average CV compared to every other chef in that kitchen. I mean, well, most other chefs there. So I started off as very bottom level, and I worked my way up through through every section, and I actually became senior sous chef. Um, and for me. That was fantastic. I'd pretty much achieved everything that I wanted to achieve there. I mean, I I knew that I didn't want to work there for 10 years. I knew that I didn't want to be a head chef or an executive chef or somebody else. I just, I, I knew that I had no fucking idea how I was going to own my own restaurant. I mean, I had no money. Um, but I just knew that my time was, my time was up there. I knew, I knew that there was something else out there for me. I mean, I uh, just kind of, I made the decision I gave, of course I gave, you know, a couple of months notice and, um, I just yeah, just I just wasn't feeling it anymore. Okay. There, I guess I would say. I did mean, you, I, did you stop learning? Were you not learning as much? No, look, you kind I was of... still learning. I was still I was learning different things. I was learning. You know, we had twenty two chefs on the roster at the stage. Okay, and you know, I was doing different things. I was still cooking. I was still still running the kitchen. I was still, but I was doing other things as well. Other important things. I was learning how to you know how to roster staff. I was learning how to. So I was still learning. Yeah, different facets of the business, but I I just didn't have the same drive there anymore. Mm. And that told me straight away that it was, yeah. it was there's something else out there. There's it was time to time to move on, explore other 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 so opportunities. At this point, did you know you wanted to one day be an owner of your own place? Was that the yeah, ultimate yeah. goal? Yeah, that's the ultimate goal. But you know, as funny as it sounds, that's always it's always been the goal. And I think that should be the goal for most chefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I think that you know, if you don't want to own your own restaurant. One day, I mean, look, everybody, everybody's different. I can I can see how it is attractive to maybe work for an established business and a company and have a bit more security and Just show up, do your yeah, job, show up, to worry do your about job. It. But it's, I mean, being a chef, you you're always working, you're always thinking, you're always. I mean, yeah. if you're going to work hard, you you should you should should set yourself a goal. You should want to do it for yourself. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, it's again, every experience I think is a little bit different, and we'll, we'll go into that a, a little bit later on. But, um. Yeah, it's easy to also to get to get kind of a little bit uh, offset with with your focus. So I was working at Voudemont. All I cared about working at Voudemont was working at Voudemont, making sure that I was delivering, you know, my my duties of what I was supposed to be doing. That's all I gave a fuck about then. Mm-hmm. So I was just 
working and, and making sure that, you know, I was continuing the standard of what we needed and what we wanted to do. And then I actually didn't give myself too much thought of what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, but I knew that my time was up. I knew that I wanted to, to leave. So you knew your time was up. You knew yep. you wanted to leave. What, yep. what was determining where you were going to go next? Why did you, you know, make the choices you made I, I just, I kind of, I made a fairly brash decision in, in, in resigning. I didn't have anything else lined up. Yeah. I didn't have another job. I didn't have... Uh, plans to go and work overseas or anything else. I just, I just knew that my time was up. And a really weird thing happened. I, I, I finished up, and I mean, I planned to just take a couple of weeks off, a bit of an adjustment period, sort of, you know, just, I guess, come, come down a bit from the, from the, you know, the, the, the clouds. I guess you say after working in a high pressure environment and doing things a specific way for, for you know, four years, it was time to sort of just, okay, go, yeah, Clinton. I mean, you're, you're here now. This is where you're. This is where you're standing. Okay, what's next? So I wanted a bit of time just to breathe. I think it's very important. But funnily enough, I started. I had a, I had a, a friend um, who was a member of this like the sports club. It was actually like a like a lawn bowls club. I okay. Mean, this is uh, yeah. This is, uh, this interesting sort of scenario happened. What, I is, was, what is a bowls club? I'm not even familiar with that. Uh, and look, it's a it's a place where generally middle-aged to retired people sort of go and they they play lawn balls you roll balls on like grass and ball? drink beer kind yeah of? kind okay. of yeah okay. i think so <laughs> i'm not sure if it's about actually yeah. the sport or drinking beer but anyway it's a, basically uh it's a it's a more a relaxed setting more of a just a casual sort of you know meeting ground for people i think okay uh, you know, so what was it appealing at that time about this spot no nothing nothing was appealing was i was uh, i was just going to I was actually teaching just the guys. They had this little kitchen there. They were doing food. I mean, it was terrible food. It was the shittest food. The clientele was also very difficult to deal with. I mean, it was it was like polar opposites of where I'd been working. I'd been working in a three hat restaurant. Yeah, one of the best restaurants in the country. To go and work in this like this, this <laughs> old stale sports club. Yeah, the guys were serving the shittest food. What was that transition like? It was it was disgusting. <laughs> it was disgusting. I would have to I would show up there and have to turn off all of my senses as a not only a chef but as a human being because I, I would see stuff i'd see a chef the way he was just touching the food or just i just i mean i i, I couldn't deal with that i slowly had to just try and i mean i i didn't even take it seriously because i knew that it wasn't my job it yeah. wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a place of professionalism for me i was simply going there to just lend a bit of a hand give a it was basically a consultancy role okay um to to, to bring them up the speed to help them serve better products to help them just just, just do i mean there was yeah there so, was, so what advice do you have for somebody in that situation where they're coming on to turn a place around how do you oh. how do you come from such extreme standards of excellence to just you know how you have to you have to look at it from outside the box i could have went in there every day and just gone man what the fuck are you doing like why yeah. you why why are you why are you going in and just like grabbing a fillet of fish out of the fridge because you've got one on order? You've just been in the back having a cigarette. I mean, you're fucking you're dirty. Yeah, like you're you you look dirty. You shouldn't actually be touching food. Like you just got. I mean, it was just. But these people, they don't know. They haven't yeah. worked in good places. They just they do not know subconsciously. They you have to pull yourself back and just really slowly try and introduce and implement new rules and procedures and otherwise. You know, you'd, you'd go in there just bullocking everyone and giving yeah. it. No, no, not even bullocking, but just putting the pressure on these people. So you, you're going, don't forget, 
as funny as it sounds, you're entering their environment. Yeah. Yes, you're going to change it, but you're entering their environment. So you, I had to adjust. So I had to adjust yeah, myself exactly. before I could adjust them. Okay. So that's great advice. Uh, I mean, I guess the question is, how does that look? How do you how do you do that successfully without coming off as an yeah. arrogant yeah, prick? It was, like, it how was do you hard. do it? It was, yeah. it was very hard. I mean, and ultimately, both those chefs left. Yeah. And I went from taking just a, a consultancy role that was like two days a week while I was sort of planning my next move okay. to taking over job there as the chef i was like you know what i plan to go to brazil at this time um and take a nice holiday and and travel and work at a couple yep. of places through south america so i'd made this decision and then you know i said you know what I'll, I'll take the role here for a couple of months they offered me a very attractive salary and i mean it was working four days a week and so it was pretty yeah it was big pretty change, it was what a big change. I was, you know what i'll just do this so, yeah um one thing you know led i, I mean and of course, I wasn't cooking their shit food. I mean, yeah. I was I was cooking nice food. It was just, it was a small menu. It was very simple. It was a it's a much more simplified version of you know what we do here at the restaurant. I mean, it was just, it was simple food. It was like a, a nice a nice steak. It was a couple of nice little starters. Yeah. It was like it was just nice simple food. You know, I think we can just summarize from this part of your life the when you're going into a situation where you're trying to turn something around, you got to realize that uh, you've got to it's the the word empathy of like being empathetic of that situation yeah. where they are and realizing that yeah. these people you're working with that yeah. you're responsible for don't have the same experience exactly you have. and you have to go like you said to their level yeah. before you can bring them up Correct. to your level exactly uh, and you got to start where they are and slowly yeah. acclimate them up to yeah. level. and you perfection. see and you see the people who want to make the change yeah and exactly you know what could put yourself in, in their shoes if mm. i you know i've been in that position before where you you know you something you just don't know unless you've worked in a in a in a good place or people who are you know a professional and Unless you know the simple things of you know whether you go back to using good produce or how you're how you're handling the produce or how you're how you're working if you're working in a clean area and just I mean unless you've been shown or taught this you a lot of the time you're not going to know and you yeah, pick up habits it's not but common sense, yeah yeah it's it's one of those things yeah you can see the people who you need to try and inspire these people yeah you need for them you know for people to to get a hundred percent out of people they need to be inspired that's mm. fact that's true so how do you inspire well, show them something show them that you can give them something you can teach them something. But the only people that you ought to inspire is the people that, that I believe the people that sort of hold that ambition for themselves. If a chef doesn't care about what he's serving or how he handles the food or how it doesn't matter who you are, if you come in and show them something better or show them a different way of doing things, they're not going to give a shit. Yeah. So they're not going to be inspired. So they're, so you, they're a waste of time. Do you weed those people out? Yeah, okay. straight away. Okay. You have to. Yeah. Straight away. I mean, it's look, everybody deserves, I'm a huge believer and everybody deserves a chance. Mm hmm. And even more so, everybody deserves a second chance because sometimes people's attitudes change. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, getting back to not work, not getting along with other colleagues and stuff like that. Sometimes there's just a few, few environmental changes that need to be made or adjusted for people to really come to and really, you know, again, get the gist of what, what we're trying to mm. do, what we're trying to deliver. And so I'm a huge believer in everyone getting a second chance. But once people don't take the second chance and once people don't start to evolve or start to change... I'm very brutal with making decisions like that because these people, you know, some people, it's it's not for them. Yeah. They're not and going to be able to help you. You can't help them. You need to cut the ties because all it's going to start creating is is just a negative workplace where it's not it, yeah. it's not a community. And those people that do have it, those people that do want yeah. to improve, they change quickly. It's going to be much harder to bring them up of when course. those people are bringing them exactly, down. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, it takes one bad egg to spoil, exactly. to spoil, you know, to spoil a dozen. So, Any other big lessons from this experience that you can drop on us before we kind of talk about how you started living intentionally to create where you are today? Um, 
be relentless in the standards that you hold for yourself. Mm. Because I could have went there and gone, you know what? Yeah, you know, we're not in the city anymore. We're not, it's, we have a cooking food that's more accessible. Yeah, I mean, people don't want to pay this much money. Yeah, there's, you can make as many excuses as you want. But as soon as you start to lose sight or drop the standard of what you want to do, I mean, you're pretty much fucked. Be relentless for yeah. the standards you hold yeah. for yourself. Be relentless. How do you keep that standard? What, what do you do to keep that in check? How do you do you write it down? Like, how do you know what that standard is? I mean, again, I think the standards uh, should be evolving. I mean, it's this, this, this. We're very fortunate and unfortunate these days for the amount of access we have to, you know, social media. You know, you see, there's a there's a, there's, a, there's a lot out there. You can see you can see the standards of what a good restaurant should be, and you should want to be the best that you, you can be for yourself. You should be wanting to do the best food that you can do. And you, I mean, you, yeah, you need to, you know, you should be going to eat at other restaurants. You should be going to see what the competition is or see where the standards are. I mean, so you're, just, so what I'm picking up is to, to have your standards, you need to constantly be influencing yourself with the standards of yeah, others of yeah, yeah, and comparing sure. I mean, You're still comparing yourself to yourself, no, 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 but yeah, just, you're still comparing yourself to your, to yourself. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to go to a restaurant and go, okay, man, fuck, that was great. I'm going to go and back to my restaurant and start doing what they're mm. doing. I mean, that's, 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 that's kind of like yeah, copying. That's ludicrous. That's, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, you're, ne- you're never going to, you can't be everything to everybody. Gonna, yeah. No, exactly. But it's good to, to see, I mean, you should you should want to you know see what's out there. You should want to see what other chefs are doing, what what other restaurants are serving, how they're you know just the environment, what it's like to go and experience that. Yeah. I mean, there's so many inspiration. Yeah, inspiration exactly. Mm. You need inspiration. Or you you know it, sometimes inspiration doesn't even come from other restaurants or other other chefs. Or I mean, actually, not not much of my inspiration comes from other chefs at all. To be quite honest, yeah. I mean, inspiration comes from many different many different places and. But I mean, yeah. Look, you just you need to be relentless. You need to you need to sort of yeah hold high regard for the standards that you want to set for yourself. Because Beautiful. It's crazy to think we're already at fifty three minutes of recording time. Are you, are you, do you have a hard stop? Nothing. You're good to go. Like I don't want to abuse no, your day. No, it's okay. No, it's that. okay. Yeah, because no, cool. we let's get into how yeah. you started. Uh, yeah. you know, surrounding yourself with the right people to open your own place yeah. and how you got the financing and all yeah. that. So, when did you start making moves to open your so first restaurant? It was at this stage. I mean. I'm actually I actually took over the lease of the Bowls Club and I stayed for longer than three months. Uh I mean yeah, to wrap it up pretty quickly to give you insight of what happened there. I took a lease um and we were doing like a little tasting menu on the weekends and all of a sudden a couple of food bloggers came and this thing kind of blew up out there. It was this unique thing that we were doing, it was this really shit environment where yeah. we had, you know, a good chef and people doing nice food and it was just one of these things that just uh, all the planets and stars aligned and it just was busy. Yeah. And so it took opportunity for this and I used this as basically a, a, a ground mark for running a business. So I took over the lease of this of this place. I mean, so I was responsible for paying my own rent, paying my bills, and it was like it was like a like a like a training program before I went live and opened my own restaurant. So okay. it was a uh, successful exercise. Uh at this stage we were still working a lot. I mean, it was, it was, I went from Voudemont and pretty much straight into this and it was, it was no real time for a break or a rest. So we done that for one year. Um, I ended up taking four months off before I came, I uh, went for a holiday, went to Brazil. And during this time though, at the Bowls Club, I'd met some, some friends and we're still, we're still very good friends, of course, to this day. Are these, um, uh, guests of yours? Or guests, they, yeah, okay. they were guests. So actually they were, they were guests of the restaurant, but we also, our children also do sports together okay. on the weekends or did at the time. Uh, so we'd kind of see each other 
from time to time on the weekend and they love dining out. They're, they're real foodies and they, they come to the Bulls Cup a couple of times and they really loved what we're doing. And then they actually kind of uh, asked me what my plans were next. Mm. Everyone knew it wasn't a full-time thing. I mean, everyone knew it wasn't a career move. Yeah. I said, you know, I want to I want to open my own restaurant. Yes. That's, that's it. Dude, if there isn't a lesson here, I don't know where yeah. I, I – mean, I don't know how to find that, but I'm pretty sure the yeah. lesson here is you never know where the, mm. the opportunity is going to be. I went from working at, at Voudemont – the best restaurant in yeah. Australia, probably at the time still, and to go work in this shitty kitchen in the fucking like the suburb yeah. out of the city. I mean, you couldn't even write about this. Like you seriously, you wouldn't even script the shit. It was, it was just, it was just weird. Yeah. But what happened was we were doing a tasting menu. It was busy. I mean, people were loving the food that we were doing. I mean, it was it was very cheap. We couldn't. I mean, it was just we we made enough to cover wages and cover our cost of of running, you know, the business. But the thing is, yeah, exactly. By being relentless in the product, what we wanted to do, and the standards we held for ourselves, you turn opportunities to the come. Yeah. And so anyway, I met these 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 uh, these people. We had a, a bit of a rapport for a few months, and then they, uh, I mean, they're they're sort of they're well-to-do people. They're actually actually people who kind of inspire me in my life now because mm. how uh, so? Well, by being successful, being driven, also being down to earth, mm. also, also you know, I mean, uh, and giving a chance they gave me a chance mm. uh originally we were talking about opening a restaurant together um and then we kind of negotiated for about six months um and then we decided that that maybe wasn't wasn't the best path to take in the way that uh they're not from a hospitality background and they didn't want to have any any input into the restaurant which is 100 percent fair enough i mean they're, they're both very busy yeah with their lifestyle now they have two children i mean yeah. um very high profile uh position in the corporate world so that's understandable um but i also knew that as sweet as that deal sounded i knew for a fact that two three five years in there's going to be there's going to be an underlying bit of conflict whether it's with yourself whether it's whether it's towards both parties because i knew that by me putting in all of the work and going through the highs and lows and shedding blood and sweat and tears and one day when it's hopefully successful, when you're, you know, handing over 50% of that dividend, you know, you're going to still feel like what you built is 100% yours. Mm. And there's going to be a time where you just, you want to, you want to reclaim everything. That's, that's how I feel. Okay. So we actually negotiated, and I, 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 knew, I knew I didn't want to move forward and have other owners per se in the business. So we basically come to an agreement where they, they basically just funded me. I guess I, I would say they basically gave me a, a, a loan, loan okay. uh, I would say um, and we kind of we drew the line there and to be honest with you I mean it's been the best possible outcome I could have ever imagined because they've always believed in what we've uh, kind of what, 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 I've, what, I've, what I've wanted to do they've always, they've always sort of backed me in their regards they've never put any pressure on me and needed to repay the money any quicker or any i mean we we of course we have we have a we have a legal contract we mm-hmm. have a we have an agreement and it's you know i, I treat I take that very seriously um but i've also had complete freedom not yeah. once have they even come to me and said we want to see the accounts we want to see how the business yep. is performing that basically they've, they've given me complete opportunity in life freedom complete operational freedom mm. and you know it's been great. It's yeah. been the pros and cons have been. You make nice. a really good point there. As soon as you give up equity in your business, yeah. it, you you've some somebody else's names on you know the paperwork. Yeah. Like yeah. you got to give and take a little. Like it's not you're not going to be able yeah. to make all the decisions. In Look, it. you need to you need to understand also. There's 
there's many different scenarios. I mean, look, it takes a lot of money to open a restaurant. Yeah. And the restaurant here is pretty small. It's like 34 seats. And realistically, it's a fairly small budget for us to open it and fit out the restaurant. Yeah. And we had to make that work. Whereas if we had a different agreement, we would have had maybe more funds. I wouldn't have had to pay the money back. And there would have been a different scenario. But, you know, deep down, I know that I've built this restaurant by myself. And I know that, you know, every single every single sort of, you know, thing that attributes to the success of this restaurant has been from me yeah. getting a chance and me someone someone believing in me, but also making it work and fighting to make that work. Yeah, and I think it's that sense of ownership, that sense yeah. of this is that pride of this yeah. is mine is what really drives yeah. us what drives us. And if you if you give up that sense of ownership, yeah. if you can't make decisions and do what your gut's yeah. telling you, you're gonna lose that drive. Yeah. You're gonna lose yeah. that fire. Yeah. Uh it, but how did you convince them to to take this deal of where they're not going to be 50 50 you know, I mean, partners look, well, just you know going. first of all we we set a boundary of you know when we wanted to you know, in the loan contract you know that we wanted to pay the money back in x amount of time and this and that and you know it was it's an unsecured loan i mean they you know they they took a risk in lending me money a lot of restaurants simply do not succeed so there was a a little sort of two and a fro negotiation, but I created a business plan. I presented them with what I wanted to do, how I was going to achieve it. I mean, I was very, very transparent. I mean, it's not as if they just went, oh, hey, Clint, give us your bank account details. We're going to put you know, a couple of hundred grand in your account. Um, yeah, have fun. I mean, it's yeah. not like that at all. That's, yeah. that's unrealistic. Um, but I prepared, uh, yeah, a business plan, and I, I, I tried to do everything I can to show them that, you know, what we're going to do. And... Um, I mean that was that was kind of it. So is there a, a name to the type of loan, the type of deal that you guys worked out? Is there like a, uh, a way to identify like this, this approach that you took? Uh, look, I would say I would say it's kind of like a like a like a like a family loan almost okay. because I mean these um, these people are they're kind of like family friends. Yeah. I mean it's not an investment because sometimes an investor is giving you money to make more money from you as well. And an investor also can determine which way the business goes. Investor yeah. wants to see returns. I mean, this is not a monetary making exercise uh, from them. It's, it's purely, basically, they've, they've leveraged their the, financial yeah. They believe you're going to make it and you're going to yeah. pay back and there's and, a certain amount of interest. And, and it's, look, you know, it sounds great. Uh, I was gonna, I'll, I'll touch on the pros and cons of this and it, and it is good when you can make it work. The cons are, you know, sometimes, and especially the first year of business, there were times where I was so stressed and I would, I would, I would wake up sweating. I couldn't function. I was, man, I was almost burning myself out because mm. we were struggling to pay rent. I mean, it's very different running a kitchen and thinking, yeah, I can run a business. I mean, I know how to, you know, order food. I know how to turn it into a product that we can sell. I know how to roster people on. I know how to pay staff. I mean, running a business is a different thing. You have to learn a lot. Yeah. And there were times that I would love to have other directors or other people I can call on to give me support and running the business and seeing where it's going to go. Yeah, And I mean, that, to be honest, was the biggest thing and something that I fortunately now have surrounded myself with, with people I've, I've appointed people in each department, whether it's our accounts department or whether it's our, you know, a manager of the actual restaurant or, you know, reservations or, I mean, I was a bit naive in thinking that I could probably, run the whole show mm. by myself. I, I want to stop here real quick just because I want to summarize up to this point and then yep. I want to pick up from this point. Sure. Uh, the, the big takeaway for me up to this point in, in this part of your life, getting getting the financing is, you know, you were at the, the Bulls Club. or is that, yeah. Is that right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
you could have said like the you know the f with this i'm just going to do what i gotta do to barely get by but you chose to elevate that place so much so that you got the attention from those yeah. around you and you never know where your future investor is going to be you're, no, you're going to treat that. every day of your life in this industry like your your future investor is standing right in front of you because yeah. likely they are and if you yeah. impress people and they see you as an asset as somebody they want to invest yeah. in and you earn their rapport yeah. and their trust and you, you never know and yeah. just take every moment and make the best yeah. of it yes. and then you can create yeah. opportunity for yourself yeah you well. can absolutely yeah. but uh, be wary a lot of people talk shit i mean a lot of people a lot of people talk the talk a lot of people will come and say look let's do, i mean I, i'd have people come into the restaurant and say this is the bowls club at the same time i mean so it's, it's like this hype this i'd have people come into the restaurant and say let's do something together let's open a business let's you know i want to own a restaurant i said man i don't even fucking know you yeah why the fuck would i open a restaurant with mm-hmm. you so be careful but choose 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 people and that that are clear with their intentions mm. as well that's a huge time, thing. you know it gives you time yeah. feel it out but but you're absolutely right i mean opportunity is everywhere mm. and you never ever you ever know create it, yeah though, you know? yeah but it's yeah exactly you got to find it but it is it can be it can be in the most unlikeliest of places beautiful so. okay so you're you're at the point in your life where you're waking up uh and like heaps of sweat because you take on so much such a uh, responsibility you're yeah. thinking you can do it all yeah. yourself and eventually you realize that you know you got to start delegating you start surrounding yeah. yourself with the people who are strong or you're weak take yeah. us through that process yeah. of what that looks like that just takes time i mean at the end of the day you have to be able to, to to keep the doors open. You need to better pay the bills. You need to better pay the staff. You need to better pay the bills. You need you need money. You know, and when you're a sole operator of of a business, and there's no other again, there's no other board of investors or money or equity coming into the business when it's not making money. You need to be responsible. So you need to make it work. So that was the hardest thing of just one plus one needs to equal two at the end of the week. Otherwise, you you cannot continue. So it just took me time to get everything in line. You know now. You know, we've got a dedicated accounts department and we set ourselves targets. So, you know, we, we run by strict budgets for our for our food and beverage. And, you know, we've been for just over two years now. And it's only just now where we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's good. What if because, Keith, sorry. Yeah. Finish your thought. I mean, it's just now where we're starting to see the, 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 the reward coming. The, now we're starting to give that, that freedom we were talking about. Now that you know, I don't have to be sort of shitting myself every single week mm-hmm. to make sure that you wouldn't be busy on the weekends where you can pay wages or, you know, that kind of that constant. There's so many things in your head, or there's been in the last kind of two years, I've had so much stuff in my head. It's been very hard to try and be creative and and focus on just the food alone. And you have to, man. It's like a you know, you just feel yourself being stretched and pulled from every direction. Yeah. But Let's let's zoom to thirty thousand yeah. feet real quick. Yeah. Identify the two or three things, the pivotal things that you'd started doing differently that that helped you pivot to where you you see light at the end of the tunnel. Like the the key differences you did operationally that really have made a positive impact on where you are today. The key difference is just list them first, and yeah. then we'll go in deeper. Okay, um, you need to have the right people in the right department. Okay, that's I mean, one. Yeah, it's one. Uh, you need to have a very very strong business model. You okay. need to know, it needs to work. Key people, strong business model. Anything yeah. else? Yeah. Um, and you need to sort of, you need to really be aware of where the business is right now. It's easy to sort of say, oh, you know, it's it's not that busy. It's going to pick up or, you know, we're, we're killing it. We've been so busy. We're making lots of money. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to be loose to spending my money. I'm gonna, you need to, you need to, you need to actually treat it as a business. It sounds silly, but I mean, I, I'm saying this from a chef owner perspective. Um, you need to really look, identify it as something completely different to just being, you know, 
at your, your kitchen. Mm-hmm. You need to really treat right. it like a business. Let's zoom into these three yeah. things now. Key people. How did you start surrounding yourself with key people? Key people. Um, again, I look at the key people now for the for the business side of things is our accountant and our our I mean, yeah, our accounts department. And um, I mean, so was that a, was that a weak spot for you? The yeah, event? yeah, okay. yeah. In the first six months, I didn't have a full time yeah. bookkeeper. I okay. mean, I was having people calling me fifty times a day to pay this bill to pay this invoice i mean i was trying to pay the invoices and i was trying to pay our bills weekly and stuff and i mean i just it's not my not my profession i was just it was just messy um so now i don't have 50 people calling me every day so i I mean i've more time to focus that's the weight off my shoulders more time to focus uh i now have i mean my team here is absolutely killer we have i mean one of the best teams i've ever worked with these people have kind of just I don't know. I don't even know how they got here. And you I mean, mentioned that earlier. I wrote down. Yeah. You said you built a team around yourself. Yeah. It was one of the first things you said earlier, and yeah. I wrote it down. Yeah. So how? What is it about you that you you think people will gravitate towards? How did you? Pull I think people it's because you? getting back to what I was saying before, be relentless in the standards you hold for yourself. So mm. I opened up with like a skeleton crew, and um, you know, some of those people still work here. Not many. I mean, it's uh, hospitality is always a high turnover environment. But I've never ever settled for anything less than sort of what we've needed for the restaurant and what we've needed to be successful. And of course, as I do hold high standards for myself, I undoubtedly hold very high standards for for my staff as well. And I, you know, you, and and you have to. It's it's just greatness attracts greatness. Birds yeah, of the same feather think, flock together, man. Yeah, exactly. And right now, I mean, there's been times where I was, holy shit, man, what the fuck are we going to do for staff? Like we just where are they all? Where are they? And then, again, just timing. All of a sudden, I've had the right people coming along at the right time, and they've just turned out to be the right people for the right job. And I mean, yeah, but just I think it's just your energy and just how you how you see yourself and the vision you have for for the place. I mean, people want people yeah. want to see that. A lot and of people the, think it's a lot of woo woo bullshit. Yeah. But the law of attraction. No, it's true. If, if you're a positive, happy, yeah. driven person that takes yeah. care of those around you yeah. you're going to attract onto yourself the yeah. same same life absolutely it might take you a year it, it might take you overnight. six months it might <laughs> yeah. take you three years but it yeah happen. it happen. you got to stay positive yeah uh, you said also the strong business model what advice do you have for strong business models i mean okay so if you're <clears throat> if you're opening a restaurant and you you want to you know you're an up-and-coming chef you want to do you know you want to do this fucking this 20 course tasty menu you want to show all your you know all your skill and your tricks and you you know you want to blow everyone out of the water but you need 50 chefs to do that but you're relatively new in the restaurant scene you have to price yourself competitively to be in the market and your menu price isn't covering your wages and cost of running you can be the best chef in the world but if the business isn't adding up at the end of the week and you don't have you know uh, a millionaire company or you know people you know putting money into the business is not yeah. going to work yeah so just paying attention to the numbers really paying having attention to the numbers yeah. yeah i mean you yeah it has to it has to work it has to add up it has and to work you can't do it for now. it's something i've learned and i've had to adjust a lot and quickly and yeah so do you think bringing on these outsourcing getting the account was kind of where the business model started to take yeah 100 was the business model there before 
Uh, it was, but we weren't forecasting for our business. So I was leaving kind of week by week and we were thinking, okay, great. Reactive, yeah, proactive, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now we forecast for six months fairly accurately. We, we actually project for, for 12 months, but six months is, is fairly accurately. You know, we account for all of our taxes. We account for staff holidays. We account for all the business activity and we can kind of see where we're going to be. So just really forecasting and setting ourselves, again, goals and, and sort of targets mm-hmm really 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 helps yeah and it gives you a bit of freedom and clarity in the mind and not fucking stressing out week to week thinking shit fuck we need to be really busy next week because i've got my taxes to pay i didn't think about that yeah yeah so yeah you need to budget and really yeah but this you know again i'm i'm the sort of person i like to i like to try and find out every facet of the business i like to be involved with everything i'd say i've probably you know i've got probably a fairly dominant personality and i like to i like to really you know, take over running as many things as I kind of can. I mean, it's been my restaurant. It makes sense to do that. So I've learned, I've focused a lot of my energy into seeing how the business runs and why yeah. business runs. And, and one thing I'm curious about, just looking around your restaurant, yeah. uh, you have a, a space here that's pretty spread out. Yeah. Uh, you have um, where we're sitting, one table We've behind us. Eight tables and yeah. one chef's table. Yeah. So, and it's, there's elbow room. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. You can do like, you I could fit four out. more tables in here easily. So, I mean, I could fit 50% more capacity in here. So, are you taking that into account? Are you, are you charging a little bit more? Like, how do yeah. you, like, so, yeah, absolutely. Right now, for what we're doing, what we're charging, um, the business is profitable. But like any business, you need to be consistently busy. There's no point in us being busy Friday, Saturday night, then quiet for the rest of the week. That, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no point. So so how are you making sure that you have butts in seats at all times? Uh, I mean, are you using a certain reservation system that... Or- no, we... To be honest, a lot of our marketing has been, has been fairly organic. I mean, it's taken us a little bit of time to really get our name out there. I feel like we're still also kind of breaking out. Mm-hmm. Um... But you just need to make sure that every guest comes into your restaurant wants to come back. Mm. I mean, you really can't afford to have any guest come to your restaurant and have a shit time. They're going to go tell 50 people. Word of mouth is a very, very powerful tool. And we've built up a bit of reputation now and we've got a lot of return guests and those people go and tell people. So business is more consistent now. So what are the key things you're doing that you think makes people come back? What's so unique about their experience here that wants to make them or makes them come back? Well, as you can see, we don't have that many tables. So every guest that comes here gets noticed and they get mm. the same treatment as every other guest would. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we make sure that they're, they're, they're recognized. We make sure that they feel High touch. special. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, so that's, you know. How many servers do you have in here? Uh, we've got four waiters. So wow. we have one manager, one head sommelier, and then we've got one assistant sommelier and then one food runner. And we've got six chefs in the kitchen. That's high touch, man. Because, I mean, how many tables does each person have at once? Two at the most? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's we don't we work in a different kind of dynamic in here. We don't really have sections as such because it is kind of a small space as well. Yeah. Everybody integrates into sort of doing everything, even the chefs. So the chefs, we, we take a lot of food to the table as well. The kitchen's also very open. Um so it's a very kind of laid back, personalized experience as the, well. Um, that's that's the way. I mean, but why cook when you can't exp- like that high touch? Being able to witness and experience the reaction, yeah, in, exactly. in person must make it so much more rewarding. Yeah, too. exactly. And that's why I have no intention of putting any more tables in here or making look. I I could on the weekends, and I could have you know another ten covers we're doing. But also, 
I've found ourselves to a point now where, you know, we've built a great team. We can achieve more with our, with our menu, our space, the way that we work, the diversity yeah. in the kitchen and, and the front of house. You know, we, we, we are improving our quality and our offering all of the time. We have progressed, you know, a lot and we're going to continue to progress. And when we, the stage we're at now, I would rather focus on delivering a higher quality again and again and again rather than so, doing more numbers. I guess... Um the come full circle. The reason why I went in this direction is because how do you determine what your margin is? Because when you have, when you can, you can't necessarily do volume and you're focused more yeah. on uh, higher well, margins per transaction okay. to co- How do you know how to, how much to charge to cover? Well, we need to, first of all, I mean, I, I need to work out. I mean, I have X amount of staff, so I budget myself on X amount per week for staff. Mm-hmm. Um, rent, all these sort of things, just to, what it costs you to, the to open up a business. Exactly, the non-negotiables. Exactly, exactly. And then we work, how many seats do we have in the restaurant? Okay, great. So if the restaurant's full, what do we, spend per head is a big thing. You need mm-hmm. to be kind of spend per head in the restaurant. Spend per head is what we, what we target. And people need to be spending X amount of money for it to be working. So we've determined in our offering, our menu price is $170. So it's, so it's a fixed. Yeah, fixed, okay. yeah. So $170. Okay. This restaurant would not work unless we're doing a fixed. If we had, say, say we had another carb menu, and on Saturday night I had, uh, I had two couples come in and they, you know, they'd had a big lunch and they just wanted to have a bit more of a catch up. So they come in, they had maybe two glasses of wine each, and they just shared a couple of entrees, but they took the table for the whole night. That doesn't work. Not in a restaurant where you see 34 covers. Yeah. That, that simply does not work. Yeah. That that would kill your your profit. So you're controlling the rate of yeah. You're you're the you know this is yeah. going to be a hour yeah. and a half experience yeah. and we got to like oh no we, we allocate the table for the whole night okay I don't we don't kind of turn things over or i mean but you know exactly before that yeah. night starts what yeah. you're going to pull in yeah. is it like if they don't show if they no show do they still get is it not, charged yeah. yeah if it's within 48 hours yeah because you have to have security it's, i mean it's we're, we're not we're not in the city we're not we don't have a lot of foot traffic and i mean not many people hang around until you know 4 or 5 p.m on a friday or so or any night of the week and go oh, shit what if i've had a cancellation can we you know we can come spend 500 bucks for two yeah. people in the restaurant i mean it's so we yeah we we make sure we, we cover ourselves and okay. we have contingency cool. for that thanks for getting the detail on that and um man i <clears throat> we're going long on this conversation yeah. but for what it's worth chef i'm loving yeah. every second okay, of this. i hope fine. you're That's enjoying cool. it no, too. Fine. yeah time's going quickly yeah it is it really is uh so the last thing you said uh was aware of your business or yeah aware of the business now yeah what did you mean by that uh oh, sorry can you repeat sorry what so the key the, you, you dropped three things on us uh, yep. key people uh, strong business model yeah and aware of the business now what did you mean by that aware of the business now now i okay. mean just to see where it's at so where it's at now so again with what what we do now and what we sort of what, what we charge for our menu and the amount of staff that we have you need to look at Okay, where are we? Where are we? Are we happy with what we're doing? Where do we have room to grow? And for us right now, we are outgrowing the space. Mm. I mean, as I have more staff, I need more more space for staff. As mm-hmm. we have, you know, we need more space for staff to work. We need, you know, we've spent, we've almost increased our our uh, our seller list, our, sell, our our wine seller by hundred percent since last wow. year. I mean, we just need more space. We need more room. So the goal is to probably relocate the restaurant within the next two years. Mm-hmm. Is realistic now that you know we're to a we're to a we're to a, to a degree now where we're you know we are profitable every week. Um, you know, business is yeah. really moving in the right direction. So now it's time to 
I'm happy you're saying this because yeah. I'm like wiggling in my seat right now because I feel like I see it so often where people, some people say, you know, start big because this game's all about yeah. the numbers and the volume that yeah. you do and the volume has to cover the expenses. But yeah, if, you, if you start too big and it doesn't work, and well, you, how much impact can you make on a, yeah. you know, like you need to be able to really yeah. influence and develop those relations, relationships yeah. and grow the people around you. And that's the key thing that I'm getting yeah. from you is like you've grown your people. And that's how you know now it's time to go to a bigger space because you've yeah. grown your people, you have the cash flow, yeah. and you can handle the, the bigger space. I mean, yeah, and we have awareness of what Amaru is and what the restaurants people know. The, the, the risks are lower. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's still risk. There's risk in everything. But the risks are lower. I mean, it's um, – yeah, but the, the next the next restaurant, the next incarnation of Amaru yeah. will be the real deal. I mean, I mean you, your quality of life is going to be really rough. You're going to wake up in the yeah. middle of the night getting started yeah. and making sure you can pay it. But Again, the impact yeah. – yeah, that's what's going to determine your yeah. growth—the impact you have on your guests and your and your the impact. employees and employees. Because so I want all my boys in the kitchen, boys and girls. I mean, I I want all of them, and I know they all do. All of those guys in there—they want to have their own restaurant. Mm. They're all very hunger hungry. They're all very eager. I mean, that's and they're all very hard workers. What's your plan for that? I mean, I want to show them that it is possible and they, they can see that. And that's kind of what I think they also get from, from working, you know, with, with me apart from, I mean, of course I'm very appreciative of the work that they're doing. I mean, Amaru is, it's, it's not just me. I yeah. mean, a restaurant is the team. Yeah. The people are what make up Amaru as well. Mm-hmm. And everyone here believes a hundred percent what we do. Everyone here represents what Amaru is. Everyone. It's like a culture that we have here. I mean, that's how it has to be. If somebody comes in here and they might have a great CV, they've worked here, they've worked there, but they just don't really sort of feel it or they don't really sort of, you know, represent. I mean, whatever what we represent. Yeah. well, they just don't fit in, unfortunately. What I is mean, Amaru? What is Amaru? Amaru is a place where you can, you know, you can really, you can come and you can really feel feel special and you're mm. going to have you're going to have a very, very what's, good meal. What's Amaru translated? Amaru means beautiful place. Mm. So... Amaru means beautiful place. It's actually it's a suburb in an Australian city, um, and I believe the 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 actual language, the dialect of the the language goes back to probably a, an indigenous sort of language. But it means beautiful place, and mm. the the design and the and the logo and the name is slightly adjusted. My my um, my partner, she's Brazilian, so I mean she speaks Portuguese. So Amar in in, in Portuguese or Latin is like an act of, of of loving or an expression of love. So we kind of. We kind of just made an amalgamation of words and sayings, but yeah, Amaru means yeah, a beautiful place. Chef, I could talk to you all day, and I yeah. feel like I'm taking advantage of your yeah. time at this point. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you wanted to mention that you, you 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 hold near and dear to your heart that you want to get out before we go to the speed round to wrap it up? Um, you know, look, just really, really stay true to yourself. There's times where you're going to be down. There's times where you're going to struggle. There's times where you're going to feel sick. There's times where you just want to throw on the towel, but Go outside, you know, that look, look, you know, the late Stephen Hawking actually says, look up at the stars. Don't look at the ground, look up the stars and see the, the in, infinite possibilities. Mm. And just fucking keep going. Yeah. Stay strong, keep going. And you will attract what you need around you. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have everything that you wanted. Beautiful way to yeah. wrap up this part of the interview. We're going to take a quick break. Thank our sponsors. We'll be back to wrap it up. Everyone loves processing invoice after invoice. It's the best. <laughs> Not really. Just the sight of a filing cabinet is enough to make you sick, right? It doesn't have to be that way. With Sorcery, there's no more manually processing invoices by hand and no more cutting check after check. With Sorcery, you can organize all of your accounts digitally, scan your invoices, 
and pay your vendors with just one click. It is easy. Sorcery offers fully managed accounts and statements reconciliation, so you no longer spend hours on the phone with your vendors and banks that stinks. You now have the peace of mind knowing your accounts are being taken care of, and you can get back to work doing what you love, running unstoppable restaurants. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call one 6683006691 mention restaurant unstoppable and receive 10% off your first 3 months and say goodbye to your old filing cabinet and hello to the digital world with sorcery ap automation to be unstoppable most restaurants require a little extra capital from time to time it happens right uh, when you need funding to like renovate or buy equipment or manage cash flow you don't have time to just track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision and that is where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. And if you apply online, you'll get a decision right away, which is pretty awesome. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You'll never have to reapply to take out additional loans, and you only pay for the funds you use. Yeah, you're impressed, and I haven't even gotten to the impressive part. Cabbage has helped more than 130,000 businesses from every industry with over $4 billion in funding. Like, awesome. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company not once, but twice. Check out Cabbage at Cabbage with a K dot com slash restaurant unstoppable and you'll get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash restaurant unstoppable. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member, FDIC. All right, so we're back. We're going to try to make this a true speed round. The first question I have for you, Chef, is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Um, look, probably being determined. Um, I've, you know, I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I've had to, I've had to learn a lot of things. I've had to, I've had to in many ways grow up. I've, I've had to look at myself and where I'm going in my life and, and whether I'm happy with what I'm doing and, and, and many times and as everyone should but at the very end I'm very very determined beautiful what is your biggest weakness biggest weakness uh, man, sometimes my uh, to be honest probably discipline and self-control sometimes I mean it's maybe something yeah probably probably my self-control sometimes in what way what do you have trouble controlling? Um, I mean look I don't go on the weekends and, and, and get, get smashed and party too much and, and this and that, but like I, to enjoy I, life. I like to, of course I like to enjoy life. I, I like to go out and spend lots of money on dining out yeah. and I could probably save a lot more money or yeah. you know, fast track things. But again, you still have to live as well. So yeah, I hear you. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team? What do they want to achieve in their life and what can they bring to, to us? What are you? What are you looking for in that answer? What I want to see looking? someone who has fucking like just shooting for the stars. I want to see someone with with drive and passion, and someone who's ambitious. Beautiful. What is a current challenge today? The current challenge today, funnily enough, is is finding staff, finding those key people. <laughs> it's tough. There's for everyone, man. not a lot of people no. out there who want to want to do the hard yards, and especially now. I mean, again, getting back to doing an apprenticeship, you you can't fast track mm. experience in the kitchen. You can't fast track hours 
earned. Yeah. Hours spent. You can go you can go spend $50,000 on a culinary course for one year, but you're not a fucking chef at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? This is a core value. How yeah. to be, how to act. Yeah. Be, be just, I mean, be, be professional. Conduct yourself as a professional. Hold esteem for yourself. Hold esteem for yourself. That's yeah. a cool way to define yeah. professionalism. I like yeah. that. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is standard within your four walls, not standard within the industry. Um, just to, I mean, it's be, be kind of real as well. Be, be real and be yourself and have fun. Mm, yeah. Be real, be yourself, have fun. Yeah. Great stuff. What's one a book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Uh, I mean, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that I look, there's probably a lot of great books and autobiographies and, and stuff out there for, um, I, I look, find, find something that inspires you. It, it cannot be related. You know, it, it might not be related to food or business at all, but if there's, something out there that inspires you or gives you hope or belief, then, I mean, that's... What has inspired you? What has given you hope or belief? Um, You know, I actually read um, a a book called The Alchemist. It's a a very, I mean, I think it's a very popular book by a a, uh, Brazilian author, um, Paulo Coelho. And it goes into a bit about spirituality and Mm -hmm. the way of the world and the way of the universe. And that's kind of, I like like that shit. Uh, Make sure you head over to the show notes. I will link to that for you. I'm pretty sure that one's on Audible, so... I love Audible. Do you use an audio books or? Uh, no, I like to read. Oh, really? I, I, don't, read, yeah. I don't have the patience. Yeah. I'm too. No, I get distracted. <laughs> uh, what is one piece? Oh, sorry. What is one online resource or tool you leveraging? Um, how do you mean? Like the, it could be an app. It could be a, a re, like a magazine or a place you go to get inspiration. Or it could be like Instagram. Maybe somebody you follow. You know, actually, I, I love reading. Uh, I love reading uh, food blogs. Mm. Um, Who's your favorite blogger? Probably Elizabeth on Food. Okay, yeah, great site. I All mean, in. she reviews. Yeah, fantastic restaurants. The independent reviews, and also Andy Haler. Uh, those two are actually my go-to All go-tos right. because it's not it's not linked to a, a corporation or it's not it's not it's not funded by anyone else but themselves. So they're real opinions. Yeah, and they're they're people who eat a lot, so they you know they know what they're talking about. I'll link to those in the show notes as well. And what's one piece of technology you've adopted and you're leveraging within your restaurant? This could be a POS system or technology, or like a you have accountants. Or is there anything that you're leveraging, like in that regard? Um, just out, yeah. Look I, again, accounting. I, Accounting system and uh, the way that we do reservations for the restaurant. We don't have to have a whole team of people here waiting to answer the phone. Uh, our reservation system is very, very straightforward. We you know, encourage most of our reservations online and it's very, very secure. It's very fast and it's very transparent. What platform is that? Uh, it's a platform called Obi. So it's uh, invented in Melbourne, obviously, uh, Australia. Um, I was actually the first customer at the oh, bus really? stop. Wow. Now they support... like almost all the top restaurants in, in Melbourne okay. uh, and also in the Sydney and they can customize the program and the app for your business, Beautiful. your business model. So it's pretty cool. All right. This is the last question. It's a doozy. <clears throat> you ready for mm-hmm. it? If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you know to be true, that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Um, oh man, that's a big question. <laughs> it's I mean, a tough one. I ask the big questions. Yeah. I go deep. Yeah. 
I mean, I look. I can't even probably relate this even to just just to life. I mean, yeah, be again, be relentless for what you want in life. Be, I mean, surround yourself, surround yourself with the people that you want to be as well. I'm a huge believer in the people that you surround yourself by, and uh, last and most importantly, <clears throat> remember to to love and have fun because we only get one goal at this life here. So. Yeah, if I can have Beautiful. fun doing what we're doing. Chef, you've been an incredible guest. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time Very to share welcome. your story and to, to give us your influence. Uh, we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who's one person you admire in this industry? Somebody uh, you think would make a great guest mentor like you've made for us today? Um, look, does it have to be locally or internationally? or Local or international? Local or international. Um Probably, probably Nick Brill from the Jane in uh, Antwerp. He, I started a, re- I started a restaurant in in Holland. It was a three star. It's now closed. Um, it was called Oatslaus, and those guys were just absolute animals. They they run on just energy and passion. What's he doing and it was today? crazy. And well, he uh, he runs the Jane in Antwerp okay. and uh, still going and still still killing it and, and climbing up through the ranks and through the restaurant scene and uh, I mean yeah those guys were those guys were, were pretty cool I remember them fondly actually Nick so, yeah Nick, Nick Look, Anna, I'm yeah. coming after you yeah and uh, let the folks at know at home know uh, how we can follow you maybe some social handles an email yeah. website uh, I mean the the restaurant's name is Amaru Melbourne so it's A-M-A-R-U Melbourne uh, I mean yeah we're on all the sort of all the, all the socials um, check the website uh, follow us on Instagram and just uh, keep an eye out for us Long episode, but worth every yeah. minute. I appreciate you taking the time and accommodating me, Chef. You were definitely amazing. There is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Melbourne, Australia is not disappointing. What a great episode with Chef Clinton McIver. Uh, where do we even start with this one? You know, the, the big lessons for me in this episode is just staying positive, sticking it out, focusing on where you want to be and focusing on who you want to be and surrounding yourself with those people who are who you want to be. Eventually, you will become those people. And I think that it was just a, a great story of you know, really overcoming adversity and getting faced with some really difficult, hard life challenges, like getting extremely sick and then having, you know, two plus years of your life, your career deducted, uh, you know, you're instantly set back, but not letting that uh, get you completely down, you know, recovering and being positive and just focusing on making yourself better, healthier, uh, stronger, uh, both, you know, your, your physical health and your professional health uh, and just constantly moving forward. And I think the other big lesson that came out of this conversation is how to approach uh, going into a not ideal situation. So the example I'm talking about is when uh, he left uh, Voudemont and went to Clayton uh, Clayton's bowl club and he went into a really shitty situation. Uh, he could have let that uh, bring him down his emotions down and his ambitions down and step instead he, he kept his emotions high he kept his ambitions high but where he did go down is with his empathy uh and he said you know you got to go to these people you got to go to their level before you can bring them up to your level and really meet them at their level find out where they are find them 
find out what their feelings are, find out what their challenges are, find out what they know and really get to know that situation and then slowly start to bring them up uh, in I mean, I think that alone, I think a lot of you who are listening to this might go into that situation where you're, uh, you know, really kicking ass someplace and you decide to leave for a better experience. You become a manager and you, you join this new team and they they just aren't where your team was previously. Um, the, the team that you left right now, you have to bring these people up to your level. Uh, that's really challenging. Uh, but in the back of your mind too, also remember that you never know where your future investor is. You never know who that person is or where they're coming from or where they could be right in front of you. So treat every moment of your life like your future investor is standing right in front of you and just give it your all. And like Chef said, uh, all it takes is one moment to turn things around. You never know when that moment's going to come. So be ready for it and constantly be living every moment of your life like it's going to be that moment when things turn around and eventually it will happen for you. Awesome conversation. All right, guys, you know the routine. My, my email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Instagram, Eric Cacciatore. Uh, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore. Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I want to hear from you. I want to know who you want me to get on the show. I want to know what your challenges are. I'll get an expert on the show. We'll learn together. Uh, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. That's great social proof that I'm doing a good job serving you guys so thank you in advance for leaving those reviews but the best way to support restaurant unstoppable is simply by sharing it uh if you know anybody who's aspiring to do great things in this industry who would like to have a little extra inspiration in their day maybe like to have access to the greatest minds in the industry this podcast is for them uh please help me spread the word about this resource uh all right guys that's all for today thank you so much for sticking around this long i love you all until next time peace out